There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Lent Podcast. Wow, what a year it's been and we've seen plenty of announcements, changes, product reveals and more over the last 12 months. And while we continue to adjust to the new normal and can now probably say that we can all truly work from home without getting distracted... The new times that we live in haven't stopped companies from releasing new products for us to enjoy. This year, we've seen major updates and products from all the usual suspects, including Samsung, Apple, Nintendo, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, and others with new trends starting to form too. But what have been our highlights of 2021? The devices or announcements that have caught us, caught our eye or got us excited here at Pocket Lint. Is it the launch of the Nintendo Switch OLED or Facebook becoming meta? What about all those supply chain issues or the rise of NFT? Look, I know you're excited about those, so don't deny it. And we have we seen any new trends that are shaping our lives more so than ever. Well, I'm joined by Pocalins Chris Hall and Rick Henderson to discuss these big moments of 2021. Welcome, chaps. Hello. Hello. And let's start with you, Rick. What was your biggest moment of the year? Um, when I finally got my hands on a PlayStation Five from a shop, uh, that was quite a that was quite a big deal. Um, yeah, the uh, although the PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X and S um, arrived at the end of 2020, I think they've probably been the most significant product launches in my world this year. Mainly because people couldn't really get hold of them prior to Christmas last year. So, um, so you know, bar the constants watching the stock levels and, and listening out for uh, new stock arriving, um, having finally managed to actually get one and, uh, and install it, uh, it was quite happy. happy and I, I suppose that's, that's kind of been one of the dominating forces across the year in, in, in full, hasn't it, about stock issues and supply chain issues and getting new things. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, I mean, it hasn't it hasn't just affected the console market in gaming terms. PC gamers have also struggled to get hold of the latest graphic cards and upgrade their machines too. But also, I mean, you know, we're talking about Apple haven't hasn't produced as many iPhones, and uh, it, it, right across the board, we just haven't seen as many product launches purely mm. because it's almost impossible to get these chips. Now, um, the big one for me, actually based on the stock issues, and it's sad to start with a negative, was actually that um, car manufacturers aren't just um, struggling to get cars into the hands of consumers. They're stripping out features. Um, uh, There was a story this year of BMW actually stripping back on the infotainment system just to be able to deliver its cars on time. Um, I don't know how I'd feel if I suddenly got my car after about a six-month wait and half the features are wanted aren't actually in it. Yeah, I mean, I know that even looking at Apple, I think their latest uh, earnings report suggested that they were going to sell six billion, six billion dollars of kit less uh, because of supply constraints um, than they were hoping to, which is obviously affecting you know big companies and small companies alike. Chris, what's been your big moment of this year so far? Well, I'd I'd kind of like to return to to the cars thing. Um, 
not so much about the lack of chips, which has obviously been a, a huge problem for the industry, but just the sheer variety of electric cars that have launched this year. Um, mm. And we've been talking about this for a long time, and we've been sort of running through this build-up, and everybody's saying, if you want an electric car, then buy a Tesla, because that's basically the best on the market. And there has just been an explosion of all of these promised cars suddenly being delivered, and across a full range from something like the Fiat 500e, which is small, affordable, a fantastic rethinking of, of, of what is already a great little car, all the way up to some enormous behemoths, you know, three rows of seats, you know, designed to carry seven, that kind of stuff, as well as some some cars in the luxury end of it, like the Porsche Taycan, which is proving hugely popular. It, it's just a, a great time. We knew this was going to happen. Um, and it's good to finally see these cars appearing, but also people buying a lot of these cars. You're seeing more and more electric cars on the road. Um, obviously, infrastructures for infrastructure for charging is going to be uh, an ongoing issue over the next decade or so. Um, mm. But you now you now have a choice and you now have variety. And the thing that I'm excited about in the coming years is seeing what happens with the secondhand market because price is still a big factor. You know, battery powered cars are more expensive than combustion equivalents. And it would be great to see once we get all the stock sorted sorted out and people have been through the life cycle of a lease and things like that, how much are these electric cars going to cost on the secondhand market buying one that's three or four years old? How's that going to be? Because I think that's going to be a huge part of the adoption cycle for a lot of people who can't afford to go out and buy one at, at the full asking price. Yeah, because I suppose if you look at it, you you know, the Model 3 Tesla was launched in 2019. Um, you know, it's obviously been a popular car across that. Uh, that's now coming up to, you know, next year will be its its third year, won't it? So, you know, from, from that respect, you will start getting people thinking, right, I want to upgrade my car. There's the, the electric car industry has, has changed dramatically in, in the last couple of years. It, it feels very much now like it's not a when like if it's happening it's like a when it's happening and how fast it's happening are you tempted rick to go and buy electric now i'm having only recently bought a car um <laughs> not right this minute however the next one definitely will be because but basically we bought it on a, a kind of like lease rental scheme which um will last about five years and that then means that within five years, um, be looking to upgrade the car, and we'll be able to do so without actually a massive um, outlay. So, when we bought our latest car, we definitely had an eye on that the next one would be electric. I think the big thing for us, though, is having opted for an SUV. There are seemingly very few electric SUVs out on the market um, at this precise moment. But in five years' time, that must surely change yeah and the ones on the market at the moment tend to be more expensive because they started off launching into the luxury space so you've got audis and and the like producing some of the bigger suvs um that that will definitely change there there is already talk of some forthcoming smaller compact suvs and the sort of crossover type suvs uh, i think there'll be a, there will be a lot more variety and by the time you're looking to buy rick um prices will have probably dropped quite a lot but i think the biggest thing that people need to factor in is how they're going to charge it at home which is the most affordable and the most convenient way to live with these things and for some people before you upgrade to an electric car you may have to consider whether you can install a driveway in your front garden so that you can have a convenient mm charging point off the road as well which is going to be uh, 
something else to think about. Now, let's step away from cars to perhaps, to me, it feels like it's been a bit of a year of a refresh, um, maybe because of supply issues, maybe because of, 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 of other concerns. How do we feel, Rick, when it comes to the likes of, of Google and Samsung and, and, and Apple and, and others on the phone side of things? They not necessarily come up with anything singing and dancing and brand new. Um, I think that was a trend already, personally. Um, the, the camera seems to have been become the number one iPhone, uh, sorry, phone trend, the Freudian slip there, um, uh, the, the number one phone trend for the last couple of years. The camera becomes, it, people have kind of forgotten about the front notches and the and under-display stuff um, and more concentrated on what's happening around the back of the phone. And that's where we've seen significant change and improvements. However, um, I, there's not a single device that I've seen that I that if I had the the, the equivalent device of last year's version uh, that I would actually swap in for. There isn't one, um, mainly because you know it is like you say an iterative change rather than a revolutionary one. Maybe we'll see something next year. Um, maybe that's what will break us all out of this this mire of tech round the tech roundabout. Um, but, you know, ultimately, though, if you are in the market for a new phone and you do like taking photos, you can't really get better than than we, what we've seen right now. The Google Pixel um, 6, as Chris, I'm sure, will um, tell us, is genuinely brilliant in terms of a, a, a phone, a camera phone. Um, and for me, the iPhone 13 Pro Max is just absolutely superb, too. So... Um, and I am a big photo taker, so for me, I don't mind so much that it's uh, it's only just progressed a little bit because the camera technology is actually quite superb. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting that so much time is dedicated to talking about phones, and there is just so much interest still after so many years in devices that haven't changed a huge amount. We see these. Um, these incremental updates in the power and the performance and the little tweaks and changes. The experience really, though, has been quite flat for a very long time, whether you're on the Android side or the Apple side. You get a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and then you know maybe they'll update some features that you probably won't use because you've been a smartphone user for the last whatever it is, 10 years, and you kind of know what you like and what you need already. So it is strange. I mean, they're definitely getting more dependable. You open up the camera, you press the button, and as Rick said, you know, whether you've got a Pixel 6 Pro or, uh, or or the latest iPhone, you press the button and you get that picture. And often it is phenomenal without thought, you know, without messing around, without having to do anything. It does it for you and gives you a very usable photo. And that definitely wasn't the case five years ago. And the other thing that I've found interesting is that when I'm taking photographs for of cars, for example, there are certain situations where I will always use my phone as well as using the camera. So outside shots, a proper DSLR is is definitely the better better choice. You know, it gives you so much more. But then when you get inside and the light levels come down, it just becomes that little bit harder to get the results that you want because, you know, you often have to brighten those images up. The, the lighting levels are lower. And the AI on these phones is now incredibly good at lifting those levels up and giving you a nice balanced low light photo which cameras just need a little bit more work or you need to take a really long exposure which when you're trying to grab these pictures quickly becomes a bit of a pain on the inside of a car so so yeah i mean the the great thing is that 
a lot of these features are slowly rolling back as well. So what was flagship performance and now costs you over a thousand pounds or dollars or euros, you're now starting to get some of this stuff in the mid mid range. Some of the really aggressive pricing is still there. So you don't have to take the best that a company offers to get a great experience. And so that's one of the places where normal customers are, you know, they're, they're, they're winning through this, through this constant iterative updates of technology. And ultimately these devices Although the top end is still pushing up in price, the mid-range is just incredibly, incredibly aggressive, and there are some really good devices in there. Um, actually, what, one other thing that I would say about mobile phones that has impressed me in a while is fold- foldable phones. Um, I think in 2021, foldable phones really came into their own. So um, with the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 and Z Flip 3, they really did come into their own. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, do we think we'll see that trend continue, Chris, where is Foldable now here, um, you know, with the launch of the Z, the Z Flip 3 back in August, does do we think this is now a, a, a phone category in itself or is it kind of going to be a flash in the plan? Well, I'm I'm sort of divided. I mean, I've luckily I'm oh, I'm fortunate enough to have have used most of the folding phones on the market, and and the first thing that that was impressive was it's a new technology. You can phone the display, you can fold the display. How is this happening? How does this work? Why isn't it breaking and all of that kind of stuff? And once you get over that, you got to think, well, what does this actually bring as a benefit to me? And I play a lot of mobile games, and these folding phones don't really bring any advantage to me when I'm doing it, because you don't want something that folds when you're putting a lot of pressure on it, because it might fold in the middle of a game, which yeah. is just, which doesn't help you at all. But you can see that there's a lot of um, nostalgia value in folding phones. Most of us started with flip phones and um, the way that Samsung has managed to bring in the the Z Flip 3 um, at, at a competitive price this time, they're advertising it heavily and normal people are interested in it now because they think, I remember those folding phones, I want a folding phone. And for people who are just scrolling and actually making phone calls and things like that, messaging, you know, there's a lot of inherent advantages there, as well as those people who want to set it at an angle so they can see themselves whilst filming themselves doing whatever it is they do, whether that's their Instagram reels or TikTok or whatever. So you may see quite a surge in younger users who are more interested in those things because they get a better preview experience than they do you know self-supporting phone they don't have to think about how do i prop this slab up so that it won't fall Mm. over because you know folding phones will do that for them and one of the things that we are seeing younger people looking at is consuming more content in more interesting ways and that's having an impact on services and social media and all those kind of things rick how it feels from last year of everybody being kind of trapped at home and kind of running out of things to watch this year has kind of been a boom where there's almost been too much to watch Uh, how do we feel that the streaming services have responded to 2021 well if there was ever a uh, a beneficiary of um uh, uh, the pandemic it was both amazon for its deliveries and content delivery um content itself uh the netflixes the amazon prime videos um, and the numerous ones that have launched quite recently discovery plus paramount plus peacock 
um, they've all exploded. And there's so much to watch now that it's actually quite confusing, which is uh, there was another product I was actually going to mention, um, uh, which I actually thought was kind of a, a, a groundbreaking thing that happened this year. And that is Sky Glass. And the reason why I bring it up at this point is because while we have an enormous amount of content coming out, everybody's spending an absolute fortune on bringing us content. Um we now need the devices and the equipment to sort of keep up with it all. And while we traditionally have the Rokus and the Amazon Fire TV sticks, it's still all very much app-based. And I think that 2021 has kind of um, expanded that philosophy of having all your content in the same place rather than fragmented into tiny little hubs and zones. Um, and Skyglass is a great example of that. It's a television, that, you know, we... We've we've gone on record as saying it's possibly you know as it's an early development version mm. as things stand. It's not the best TV, but it has a very interesting concept, which is to bring all of your content into one box solution: the screen, the speakers, everything. And to the extent where, no matter which service you subscribe to, no matter which piece of content you want to watch, it's available to you, and it's available within two to three clicks. So you don't have to go into the Peacock app, you don't have to find it, or you don't have to go into the Netflix app and don't have to find it. And that that kind of integration, it's very big with Sky, for sure, and it's very big with others. I think Apple is really looking into it. Yeah, I think, um, And that, for me, that's that's where we're going with content. I think you're right. I mean, we've certainly seen that to start with this year. I don't think anybody's nailed it just yet. Um, and it's, you know, it's fascinating, even just as someone who watches telly myself you know thinking right which service is that on or is that I, I can't get it on this service but is it available on another service and then i've kind of almost started using almost i do i use a, a an app called just watch which allows me to then find out what streaming service it's on and so you kind of have to go to that first before you then think oh, okay there it is it's on that one because otherwise you end up buying or renting a piece of content that you've actually have access to elsewhere but you just didn't realize that it was well, on a different um... service that's where you need to embrace things like Roku with its universal searching. Um, and I think, I think most, of the, most of the streaming sticks offer something similar to, similar to that now where they're embracing the wider things like Google with Google Assistant and Fire TV with Alexa and stuff. And when, you, when you're searching for a piece of, piece of content that you want to watch, it'll tell you where you've got access to it. Hmm. Um, but it can get a little bit sneaky because in some, sometimes you think, oh, I can watch it on that. And then you click through to it and then you're like, oh, I've got to pay for it. I'll go back and see if I can get it free somewhere else. Um, often there's a, there's, a, there's a very subtle marker saying, oh, you're actually subscribed to this. But why don't you buy it from us anyway? But no, I, also, I, I agree with you all that, uh, that streaming is... is has has had another fantastic year and i'd put it on my list of of exciting things to talk about just the sheer uh the sheer quantity of good quality programming there is to watch i'm i i'm guilty of subscribing to far too many services and i constantly promise myself i will cancel this service when i have watched this and then i almost get to that point and then they have another show that i think oh i'm going to need that so i'll keep it for another month and it just keeps going and going and going i never get rid of any of these things so now i subscribe to absolutely everything mm. and i'm constantly watching trying to get through it and you know you you go to bed of an evening and think 
I really should watch that because I need to get rid of that subscription, but I just don't think I can stay awake anymore. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just, just the problem of having too much content. You see, I've kind of gone the other way, which is that I watched a number of shows, but I feel like I have to watch them because otherwise social is going to damage and destroy it and spoil it for me if I don't watch it, you know, before I get, before I get to the next day. Um, I had this recently with the uh, with the Succession uh, series three finale, as, as the Americans say. You know, I, I it was kind of like eleven o'clock at night, and I thought I, I'm tired. I need to go to bed. But then I thought if I don't tomorrow, when you know the when I'm on Twitter or I'm on social, I'm I'm gonna find like someone's gonna spoil the ending for me, and, and because some of these things have become such sort of intertwined with our culture. That even you know, even kind of like oh, it's it's you know, and they kind of even try and mask the idea of of the of of the giveaway. You kind of still think, oh yeah, that's great. And I remember like a long time ago, the Red Wedding gear, um, on yeah. uh, Game of Thrones. You know, I, I'd left it a week before I'd watched it because I'd been busy, and then someone was like, oh, that was a killer ending, wasn't it? And they're like, oh my god, <laughs> that's kind of ruined it now. And so it kind of you want these 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 kind of moments that they're delivering. And that kind of brings me on to the next question, I suppose, is, is, is social. We've seen a lot of unrest uh, with social in 2021. Uh, there seems to be, you know, a sense that it's still growing, but there's growing concerns from government about the reach and about, you know, right back to the beginning of the year with the capital riots in America and, you know, constant data breaches and things like that. How do, do we think it's they've had a bad year and do you think they'll survive another tough year uh, next year as well? Well, so I think social, the rise of social media and the influence that it's having on our lives, whether you like it or not, it's not something that's going to easily be solved. And governments are rattling around and people are scratching their heads. And, and throughout the whole pandemic, there's been the, the to and fro of, of uh, naysayers and anti-vaxxers and using social media to, to reinforce arguments on either sides um, of, of this massive equation. I don't think it's going to be an easy fix. I, you can you can see that governments are going to want to legislate against it against things. We find ourselves in, in a in a in the position where people have got to stop being horrible to each other. You know the the online bullying is completely unnecessary. You know people in the public eye. If you miss a penalty, you shouldn't then have to receive a whole load of verbal abuse for it. Um, you should be able to express your beliefs freely, and you shouldn't then face a barrage of abuse which then steps over into the real world as well. You know, this this just shouldn't happen. And ex- exactly where all of the anger is coming from is is the bit that's really hard to fathom. Um, ultimately, again, you know, people just have to stop being horrible to each other because they often don't do it in real life. Some people do, but in real life, a lot of people can have a civil conversation about something they disagree about and come to some kind of conclusion. And online, that doesn't seem to work at all. Hiding behind um, uh, anonymity, um, unfortunately, is what breeds an awful lot of toxicity online, Um, not just with social networks, but also in gaming. Um, I experience it quite a lot in FIFA 22. There's a lot of toxic behavior in that, not necessarily people chatting to each other, but just mucking about and trying to ruin somebody else's game. Um, But, you know, unfortunately... This all stems from the person at the other end, the uh, person who decides to be toxic, being able to hide and do it seemingly without consequence. Um, and for me, there has to be a move towards consequence. 
I love social media. I also hate social media in equal equal measures mm. for those exact reasons. Um, and if you can, you know, it, it, it's actually helped friends of mine who have felt really low and down during lockdowns, um, where they all of a sudden they realise they've got lots of friends out there who wouldn't normally even know that they were they were having issues or troubles. That's that, that you know that is where social media is at its best. But similarly, that very same person, you know, a random stranger under a, a pseudonym can come on and tell them that they're a complete idiot and make them ruin their day yet again. Um, it's that kind of that consequence that needs to be addressed, I think, on social media. Um, other than that, it's it's a very, very valuable tool. It's very valuable for us um, being able not only to spread our message um, from whatever we're writing or talking about, but also to... Uh, to uh, sort of garner information from around the world, things that we couldn't do before the rise of social media is impossible. Yeah, and I suppose, I mean, you know, one of the highlights, I suppose, in a negative way was probably was the Euros this year. It was obviously delayed a year um, and how that, you know, how that kind of caused the the, the effects of, of social media and, and negativity on that. But then, as you say, the you know, the positivity that you can sometimes find with social media is, is, is also, you know, has been a savior for a lot of people within various lockdowns and, and, and coping through the, the last 12 months from the pandemic. Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I genuinely, I won't name names, but I genuinely have two friends who suffered mental health difficulties during lockdown, hadn't beforehand, and were, ge- and were properly helped and found help through social media. Which is, you know, a fantastic yeah. kind of a fantastic highlight of the year. Right now, I know some of this has been exciting and 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 great, and some of it's been a bit doomslaying. So it kind of, uh, unfortunately, I don't know whether I should ask the next question. I was going to say, what what's been what's been the worst product announcement of this year for you guys? Worst product. <laughs> oh, I'll leave Chris first. <laughs> oh, I mean, I I thought I was going to be able to stall for a bit and just think. No, I don't. I don't need to. Uh, don't need to come up with anything. So what I'm doing now is is stalling as much as I can whilst I think about what's actually been bad, um, because I, I have kind of well, not necessarily bad. Oh, maybe, maybe not I've... necessarily bad. That's probably that's probably a, a, a nasty way of doing it and, and following the toxicity of, of social networking <laughs> there. Um, perhaps something that you thought was going to be better than it actually was. I can I can start. That's the most disappointing. Sure. Yeah, I can I can definitely start that one for sure. Grand Theft Auto: The Trilogy Definitive Edition. Um, that was something I was very much looking forward to. As soon as Rockstar announced it was remastering the original Grand Theft Auto trilogy, um, putting him putting them out for PS5, PS4, Xbox One, Xbox Series XS, uh, PC, and Nintendo Switch, especially Nintendo Switch. I was thinking that is amazing. I will definitely go back, replay these games, and on the Nintendo Switch, replay them in a portable format. Mm. Uh, however. The games arrived riddled with bugs and were the most disappointing release, I think, well, certainly since Cyberpunk last year. <laughs> I was going to say since Cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, and the, 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 the upshot of it is is that uh, it, again, proves the point of Rush releasing something before it's ready. Um, they, it, on the flip side of that, we also had Halo Infinite, which was delayed by a year and ended up being absolutely brilliant. 
So it showed that if you delay, if you are willing to wait and you, you ask for patience from your fans, then you can you can bake it in the oven a little bit longer and then make it right rather than rushing it out and getting such backlash. Uh, that trilogy box set is appalling, really. And Chris? Um, well, it's not necessarily bad, but seeing as we're talking about disappointment, um, and this might be a little bit controversial, but I was disappointed with the price tag that was attached to the the new iPad mini because I've been waiting for the iPad mini mm. for such a long time and it looks fantastic and it is fantastic. But when I looked at the price, I thought that's not like, that's not a mini price. That's no. a maxi price. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I was looking, I was looking at, I mean, the thing is you can't buy them now. There was just, the, there's so little stock that I could find. And I was looking to buy one for Christmas and I just kept coming back to it. You know, is there going to be a discount? Is this price going to come down? And it didn't at all. And then I found there was very, very limited stock. So um, uh, hopefully my wife's not listening to this because I haven't bought her an iPad mini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I think mine uh, is probably the Nintendo Switch OLED. Not because I'm disappointed with the Nintendo Switch OLED because I, I, I bought one and it, I actually did manage to get one. And it, it's a great little device and the screen's lovely and, and you know, it, it works and it does the other thing. It's just I think the rumor mill had promised had promised me, um, yeah. the fabricated rumor mill had promised me to be, that it would be a pro model and that it was going to be, you know, enhanced graphics and better everything else. And in reality, it was just a nicer screen, which is no bad thing. Uh, it's just like... It, it's one of those things where everybody's excitement and, and sort of anticipation had got ahead of themselves and to the point where, you know, when it did come, you're like, oh, oh, it's just the same, but slightly better screen rather than, oh, it's an amazing new, completely regenerated evolution of the thing before with faster processors and better graphics and, you know, all the other bits and bobs that go with it. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Pip Pip. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.